1: Today's episode of Hear That Podcast Ground is presented by Visa Network. Working for everyone, Paulineer Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic here working for you. Jay, how we doing?
2: Doing great. We made it. The first ever Week 18 mm. for us, for anybody. A lot of big questions this week, but none bigger than will Great Lakes Brewery still have Christmas ale on tap?
1: <laughs> that is an important one that is an important one we uh what to wait to we'll all wait to find out you know here's the thing though they'll have other beers on tap
0: true then they'll probably have christmas i actually ale. never
1: had a christmas ale during christmas season which is a rarity for me this year um so it would be my one last chance at a saving grace because uh, normally normally the cleveland thing happens and i'm like i'm i do it's that i'm almost done i'm like i can't do the christmas sale anymore like that was that was enough but there were so many other good ones mm. 50 west had had christmas cookie going on taft santa's bribe is really good uh i had the, got the O U O yeah beer the hot nut i got got my hands on some it's very good uh so i had all these all these different ones were out there it was uh was a bit of a cornucopia of Christmas beers this year so I felt like taken care of in that regard so we we'll, we'll find out what happens when we get up when we get up to Cleveland um a lot to get to today um thank everybody that listened to the came into the live room yesterday questions from Sweden and Hawaii Amazing. I want Natasha in Hawaii to be a regular just so we can get Hawaii weather updates every week I'm loving that idea
2: and like she has it. good Keep questions yeah I mean she she', she. Big bingle fan. she has good questions. And yes, I, I think we should make her a regular.
1: I want her, but I do want her to kind of be on like the beach. Like I want to hear the yes. ocean in the background. And is that asking too much to leave your house just to come ask a question in a live room at our whim at like six in the morning out there, whatever time it is. Depends where she lives. Uh,
2: Maybe she lives on the beach. She just has to walk out onto her balcony.
1: That's what I need. That's what I need. So if you're listening Natasha, next time on the beach, uh, we, we we've got, Jay, you have your final thoughts up with a ton of insight of everything that is going on, not just this week, but that happened yesterday, talking to players from Monday, just a million thoughts in there. So make sure you go and check that out. I have sort of an inside look at the celebration, what happened in the days and moments after the Bengals beat the Chiefs, from uh, there being a whole lot of smoke in the locker room to <laughs> Zach Taylor breaking laws to get to his kids' basketball game and uh, the reaction of the other parents when he rolled in there and uh, you know, a big overtime win for Brooks uh, and his AAU team. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of inside sort of what happened after the, the Bengals sort of monumental victory. Um, And we were going to talk playoff scenarios. We're going to talk about what should happen with Joe Burrow regarding rest. We're gonna talk a little bit about the turn this offense has made the last two weeks and what to make of Luana Rumo's defense and where they're at heading into the playoffs? Um, our good friend Mo Egger is going to be here to talk about his tweets and I believe what could be a game-changing idea in American culture. That's right, I'm going that big with it. We have some Growler Bet recap, run passer boot, all of that coming your way on today's episode. Let's dive in, Jay. News-wise, um, not a ton of like big news as far as, you know, stuff going on. But Quentin Spain uh, won't play this weekend, probably like a many, It's an ankle sprain, but probably not as bad as they thought it would be.
2: Yeah, it looked really bad when it happened. You you thought it was a knee, the, the way that Burrow kind of rolled into him. And it. I, I think as soon as they announced ankle, it, it seemed like better news. And then Zach came out um, – Monday and said it was a sprain and now sometimes sprains can be worse than breaks and and they can linger but he he seemed optimistic that the Cleveland game was the only one he would miss so um, surprisingly Jackson Carmen as far as the PFF grade played pretty well in in Spain's stead but that that's still if 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 Spain can't go for the playoffs and we kind of talked about this on the live room it's it creates a it creates a dilemma because do, do you throw Jackson Carmen in there as a rookie in a playoff game? Do you go Xavier Suofilo, pull him off of IR finally? Fortunately, it looks like they're not going to have to make that decision, but we'll we'll still still see how it goes with Spain over the next couple weeks.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I still, I you know, Riley Reef was a, was optimistic with an ankle sprain yeah. too, and he's out for you know the season. So uh, I, I I still wait and see on that that kind of stuff. I don't I don't know how much. We can really know for sure off of those early diagnoses. Um, so uh, Evan McPherson, you know, we mentioned, people asked about it. Uh, he, it, Burrow mentioned he was going through some stuff and happy that he made that. We talked to Evan yesterday who didn't want to get into the details but said it's nothing serious, um, something's going to get fixed and we'll be fine. He'd be fine to kick, and there seems to be no issue going on there. But whatever it was, it was something um, – something he says is minor but uh there was really he didn't want to get into specifics zach taylor mentioned he said maybe tightness if anything but he he hadn't really heard it's not like he hadn't really even heard much of there being an issue with evan
2: i mean it was noticeable that he's he was in the top 10 in touchbacks this year on kickoffs and he only had one touchback now he did put a second one in two yards deep in the end zone it got run out but he he did not have the length on his kickoffs and it, it almost cost him. I mean, the, the one that he only got to the 11 got returned 89 yards for a touchdown. The chiefs, bought Byron Pringle third in the league in kick returns, you would think let's not give that guy an opportunity. And it, it was almost as if they weren't trying to give him an opportunity. Just McPherson couldn't get the ball deep enough. And fortunately they got the flag. Um, and, and that kickoff return for a touchdown right before halftime was overturned. And that, that would have been a game changer. But yeah, you just I think the fact that Burrow even mentioned it um unprovoked on the postgame show kind of leads you to believe that yes, it is something minor. If it was if it was more serious, I think he would have kept it to himself.
1: Yeah, so I mean I McPherson mean, says it's no big deal, so for now we have to kind of take him at his word. We'll see if he shows up on an injury report with anything. Uh, this week specifically, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let's see that play. Out. Outside of that, not a ton of specific news. The news revolves around, okay, well, what's at play now? Uh, you had the Steelers in Ben's potentially final home game, likely final home game, uh, beating the Browns last night. It doesn't look like Baker's going to play. If you read Zach Jackson's story up from the game last night, he said after the game, after being sacked what, nine times, did end up yes, nine? At, at
2: one point he had eleven completions and nine sacks.
1: Yeah, I mean, remember when we used to joke that Ryan Finley's offensive line blocked like they hated his guts? <laughs> yeah. Like that's what that reminded me. Like, yep. does this did everyone just hate Baker? Is that what's happening? Is they just now that the playoffs are off the line, let's get this guy hit more. Uh but anyway, you get Cleveland probably not going to play Baker. A lot of dudes are going to be checked out there in Cleveland this week. Uh, Pittsburgh's still alive in the playoffs, but the scenarios are—I mean, the Bengals could be anywhere from one to four. They're all still technically in play. You know, likelihood sits sits in this three or four spot, um, depending on what their result is against Cleveland. But you know, there's also a lot of movement. Of everything can change with the wild card spots. Who's five, six, seven left out? none of it is set in stone and that makes it really kind of a muddled area but you know you went through all of those and final thoughts can you just give us a quick synopsis on where the Bengals could land and like kind of likely opponents
2: yeah the if they lose to the browns then the best they can get is third most likely it would be fourth you need some crazy upsets like the jets to beat the bills to even think about a third number three seed so that's where that lands if they beat The Browns, they can be, as you said, anywhere from one to four, although a Chiefs win on Saturday that that knocks out the number one seed. So there's basically you're you're rooting for the Bills to win the the NFC. I'm sorry, the AFC East. The the Bengals would would be in a better situation in a four-way tiebreaker. They would win among Chiefs, Titans, Bills, and Bengals. If the Patriots sneak in there, the Patriots would have the tiebreaker in that four-way scenario. And you get into two-way scenarios, the only one that you're going to beat is the Chiefs. You got the head-to-head on them. So most likely, the two is an outside shot, but you're really looking at three or four. And... If it's three or four, then if it's four, it's probably Patriots. That's that's the most likely scenario is the hoodie comes to Cincinnati for wild card weekend. If it's three, then you, who knows? There, there's so many things still at play at the bottom end of that. And, and a lot comes down to what happens with the the Chargers and Raiders. It could be any number of opponents if they do get into the three. But it feels right now, if you're if you're betting on what that weekend, opening weekend playoff match is gonna be like, it feels like Patriots at Bengals is going to be the one.
1: The thing that I saw, and this is an aside, because I just it sounds amazing, and I could not be more excited for the possibility. I don't know if you saw this. I know where you're going with this. If the Jags oh. win the Chargers and the Raiders game, they both would be in with a tie.
2: Yep. Go to overtime, they should, and they just both start taking knees.
1: They should just show up <laughs> on the primetime spot on Sunday night football and take <laughs> knees for three hours. <laughs> this would be the most incredible thing in the history of primetime television. I cannot tell you. Like, if if the Raiders, they just get together and say, look, we're both going to get in. This All we want is to be in the playoffs, right? Like, yep. the coaches get together pregame. Do you want to get in the playoffs? I want to get in the playoffs. Why don't we just decide we're going to get in the playoffs together here rather than one of us get eliminated? What? Who wouldn't take that deal, right? But are you worried that the other team is going to renege? Are we going (laughs) to turn this like a survivor prisoner's (laughs) dilemma, right? Are you worried that the last second, you know, the Raiders or Justin Herbert's going to be like, screw it, fake knee, drop back, throw the pass or something like that. (laughs) I, I am just blown away by the idea of both teams needing the tie to get in or getting in with the tie. And deciding, it goes back to the, the Bengals Dolphins game, the legendary game from two years ago, where the Bengals wanted to lose. The Dolphins probably should have been losing. They ended up in overtime. Said the best thing the Dolphins should have done when they drove down was gone all the way down there, lined up for the game winning kick at the last seconds of overtime, and let the time run off. Then snap it and kick the field goal to show that A, they could have won, should have won, but chose but not to do so. <laughs> I would just live for that scenario. But I just, I had to go down that aside because I love, I just love the idea of both teams taking these on the primetime game for three hours.
2: There is a chance that it could come. I mean, th- not that they would do that, but it could come to that. The Colts have a history of losing in Jacksonville. I think I saw somewhere where it was like five of the last six years they have lost in Jacksonville. So don't rule it out. And and Basace's not keeping his job, and Brandon Staley's not going to get fired. So maybe they, maybe
1: we could see a knee off. A knee off. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But so so the idea of the hoodie. I mean, look it does it does come down to miami and new england and and you know if if new if new england were to win that game they're going to be the 5 seed that's the that's the thing and so you're you're ending up mm. if you win you avoid the hoodie you know what is that what is any of this worth you know what is the difference in any of it and i think you know we talked a little bit about this yesterday but what you want to look at is look it doesn't matter. Do you want to? Do you want to face New England, or do you want to face a Chargers team that's already beat you, or do you want to? You know, there's, there's pros. There's just pros and cons to all of them. They're all about a whatever. It's not like there's some matchup you really want to avoid. The only thing that would really change the game would be if you could end up in that one seed, and just the the lack of any real direct route to that, the the, the just tiny likelihood of it. Kind of almost says, because Zach Taylor said yesterday when asked about it, I don't know that it's something you want to be waiting and making final calls on Saturday. You know what that reminds me of? Bengals fans that go back would remember in 09, when nobody knew all week <laughs> going into that last game, like what is going to happen? Was it in there 09, 37 and nothing yes. Jets? Yep. And nobody knew all week if they were playing or not playing. There was like – and also the last – and everybody just showed up and just didn't know what to do. And afterwards was like, yeah, this was just too weird. (laughs) And that was fine. But you want to just have a plan and kind of execute it. And if your plan is to sit down Joe Burrow and I feel like Judging by the comments and kind of what you, when you look at the situation, kind of what we're kind of getting the feeling on, I I don't think Burrow plays.
2: No, I don't either. It, it especially now that, you know, Baker's not going to play, it doesn't look like, and that you saw what Brandon Allen did last year, and, and maybe it's not a bad idea to get him some reps in, in case, you know, you need him at some point in the postseason. That's not what anybody wants to hear, but you, I think you have faith in, I, and Brandon Allen, it's not like they're going to sit the entire starting offense. I just don't see that happening. But you, you have faith in Brandon Allen, and Burrow could use the rest. And it, it, it as you said, you, you don't want to sit around and wait until Saturday to make that decision. And you just – you have to assume. It would be so crazy for – maybe not for the Chiefs to lose in Denver because it's a road game and, and – Denver always plays the Chiefs pretty tough. But then you, you would also need the Titans to lose at Houston. I mean, what are the chances of that? So you you Houston have to just
1: beat the Chargers.
2: I know, but that that this is different. This is a division game. Titans have the number one seed on the line. Um, they're playing pretty well right now. I just, and the fact that it's two game, you need two kind of crazy upsets to even keep you in the picture there. It just makes more sense to kind of, put the plan down that you're going to go with Brandon Allen. You're going to arrest Joe Burrow. And if it comes that you need, that you do have a chance to get the one seed, I think you feel pretty comfortable with Brandon Allen in there. I mean, not as much as you would with Joe Burrow, but Brandon Allen showed last year, he can win games and this team is better than last year's team was.
1: Brandon and Allen, Samaj P. Ryan have won you a game before. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. And, and honestly, what the level of intensity of Bengals browns from the brown side will be about the same level as what you were getting from the houston side last year too when uh brandon allen and samaj jp ryan won you a game late in the season and i i think that's really where it starts give joe mixon who's taken a million carries this year joe burrow get you know a a couple of guys that you've had that have really been fighting hendrickson with his back mm-hmm. G- give a few of these guys an extra week off it, and again it's not everybody. It's it's an inactive list. It's an inactive list worth, right? Yeah, because people have to play at some point, and you do want to keep most guys still going. There's nothing you just number nine has been through so much <laughs> to get through this damn thing that I think you. I think the focus now should just be on healthy, healthy Joe Burrow for the playoffs first and
0: foremost, and and I think that's where it lands.
1: All right, let's take a second and switch
0: gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right
1: What we've seen over the last two weeks has been obvious. It has been the Bengals picking their path offensively, which we talked a lot about last week. What is your path to beat the Chiefs? How are you going to do it? This team has so many different ways to win, right? Like they can beat you this way with mixing on the ground and conservative and don't turn it over. Or they can open it up and have Burrow dice it up. Well, they have they have uh, chosen, right? Right. They, they have chosen their competitor. They are choosing, we will fight with Joe Burrow, and we will air it out, and we, we will be pass-heavy on early downs early and often. And that's, you know, I I think that's where they always wanted it to end up this year, but you had to get through the year. Hmm. You you had to get through 17 games with a guy who didn't know where his knee was when he took the first snap against Minnesota. And as the year went on, you were still dealing with his mobility, trying to really, truly get that pocket presence back. And I think, you know, you look at what happened against San Francisco in the fourth quarter and in overtime, and Burrow talked about it afterwards, I really felt like I had my pocket presence back. And we've seen the way he has used his legs to create extra first downs and work the pocket more. It was the old Joe Burrow, and he talked about that. It seems when you look at the last two weeks and the way they've approached these games and what has happened offensively, that they have they have turned it over to what everybody has kind of wanted it to end up at from the very beginning. Let Joe Burrow cook, release the Kraken is is here, and I think that's who they're going to be going into the playoffs and say, "We dare you to stop it. This is what wins championships." And uh, I think I think they've. at least in front of our eyes made that choice it looks like
2: yeah and I think I think Zach gets some credit for that and I know a lot of fans might have wanted to see it sooner but I think that's one of his strengths is he he is not a my way or the highway type of coach he he is willing to adjust and he is willing to to you know maybe pivot on a plan and that, that San Francisco game opened some eyes the way he just took over in the fourth quarter. And, and he admitted that he lost sleep over taking the ball out of Joe's hands and getting conservative once they got down to the edge of the red zone and he learned from it. And that's what you want from a coach. You you, you don't want them just to say, this is how we're going to do it. And this, it, I, I have faith in my plan. He he learned from that moment and they haven't lost since. And I, it, it Makes all the sense in the world that's what today's football is, and you've got one of the
1: best. Why not ride him? Why not? now, the last two weeks uh the Bengals are averaging four point two points per drive, which <laughs> is a stupid number if you know those stats I mean, if you're like if you're at three, you're probably leading the league hmm. um they're over four and You know, Burrow, we all know the numbers now, 971 yards, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. Get back to that. You know, what did we talk about? The the biggest reason they were playing more conservative and taking the ball out of Burrow's hands more often was to avoid their toxic trait. They kept killing themselves, kept turning it over, and the passing game was creating a lot of those turnovers. He had 14 interceptions. They weren't all his fault. Bad things were, were happening, but bad things were happening. Now, you know, if you end up playing, you know, the type of quarterback that Aaron Rodgers plays, where he almost never throws interceptions, you can always let the ball stay in his hands. And Burrow's proving himself to be that. The way he's taken care of the ball has been as much a part of why they've been able to put the ball in his hands more as any amount of yards that he's thrown for. You know, we talk about 971, I'll talk about zero. Mm-hmm. I mean that's one of the craziest parts of that. We can we can talk all we want to about eleven point four yards per attempt, which is stupid. Uh, I'll talk about zero, and I think that is as much about this as about as anything, and why I think the trust has fully gone into if we're going down, we're going down with this guy.
2: Yeah, he's he's now no longer close to that NFL lead in interceptions. Four straight games without one ties his career high um he, even the the hits he has had some fumbles i think it was the, the raiders game he had a sack fumble the chargers game he had a sack fumble and, and he's still taking the sacks but it, even his even his ball security in those situations has gotten better and it it just i mean it just makes all the sense in the world that you just because you you put it in Burrow's hands doesn't mean that you're going to give up on Joe Mixon completely. I mean, we saw that they the first drive against Kansas City they came out throw 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 it doesn't work. First down on the second play they hand it to Mixon and he ripped it off for 12 or 13. Mixon they they all that talk that they have about the dam will break the dam will break that's not always the case. Sometimes when you're throwing the ball and then you you. Do that change of pace with Joe Mixon. he can hit a defense for some gashes. so it it just feels like the better plan to to pass first, run second, knowing that you can do either well and let Joe Burrow, who has emerged as that guy that they expected with the number one overall pick, let him carry this team as far as it can go in the playoffs.
1: And they're an offensive line away. You know, it was the thought was, look, God, could you imagine this team with a real line? Yeah. Well, you can. They were the opponent on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, really, if if you put if you switched lines between the Chiefs and the Bengals, what's the difference between Mahomes and Burrow? And you know what I mean? I mean, the Bengals are more dynamic and it's just good offensively as the Chiefs. The problem is Burrow is forced to run for his life back there. 51 sacks. It's not just sacks, it's pressures. It's how many times he has to spin out of something that's breaking open to try to get 4 yards when if it was the pocket was clean he would have gotten 42. You know, Jay, I know you've got I before we started, I tried to pronounce this five times and got it wrong every time. So I'm going to get it right. <laughs> Jay's got sad sack stats. There it is. I do, and I, I should
2: have asked you about this earlier, but maybe maybe you can do it later. I, you, we need to go back to your scale. What was your scale again on ranking the sacks? It was like, oh yeah, ouch! Sure. And
1: oh yeah, and goddamn, gosh,
2: damn,
1: yeah, yeah. Now it's G A H D A M M M M <laughs> M. It's like goddamn.
2: And the funny thing: there has not been a lot of those this year. Is as yeah. high as this total is it it seems like it's more just kind of the pocket collapses in and he goes down in a crumple with a couple bodies around him it hasn't been that that blind side shot or that one where he's rolling out of the pocket and and just gets crushed um but yes the the sack he's taken 51 sacks this year that leads the league by a long shot he's also had a sack he's been sacked in 13 straight games and I was curious if maybe that was a record a Bengals record an NFL record um nowhere close you, you care to guess what the record is for most consecutive games taking a sack
1: franchise or NFL uh NFL Jeez, I I, I don't have any I mean the way you're talking makes me think <laughs> it's a lot I have I don't even know where I would start with the 32 uh fifty-five. Oh my God. Who was the poor sap? Neil Lomax
2: from eighty-four to eighty-eight. Oh now,
1: my god. Can we get Neil Lomax? Can I get an oral history <laughs> of all fifty-five Neil Lomax games, please? Can we uh we need to contact uh let's see, we're we gonna get Doug Haller on that in Arizona, please. <laughs> I,
2: I, you were really close though for the, the Bengals record is thirty one. It was Ken Anderson from 77 to 80. John Kittner had 31 in a row too, but that was, it started with the Bengals and then he moved on, but his, his went from 05 to 07. Um, Burrow is, it's the fifth longest streak in Bengals history. Um, His 13 right now. And the the crazy thing is the only game this year, he doesn't, he did not get sacked was at Pittsburgh and they snapped the Steelers' streak of consecutive games with a snap sack. So, that, I mean, that just it really makes no sense, but that that's it. I mean, he, he's had three games in his Bengals career where he did not get sacked. It was Tennessee last year, it was that Pittsburgh game this year, and the one that might surprise everybody because of how it ended, the Washington game last year. You know, he got that throw off. That was not a sack when he tore his knee, and he mm-hmm. didn't get sacked in any other game that year. But um, I, I looked it up to see – where his sack total for the first 26 games of his career where that ranks and this might this number might give some pstd to some bengals fans because he has 83 sacks in his first 26 games that is one more than one david Klingler. oh my now Burroughs had 1,007 dropbacks. Klingler had 753. But still, you the Klingler's kind of the poster boy for a a great quarterback ruined by a bad line with all the hits. And Burroughs taking one more sack than Klingler did in, in his first 26 games. That 83, however, is nowhere near the NFL record. And this it's a little skewed, but Randall Cunningham got sacked 110 times in his first 26 games but that's because he was a running quarterback he only had 557 dropbacks they they counted rushes for no for a loss of yardage as sacks back then the the true record holder and maybe he plays into this too Jake Plummer was a running quarterback he had 101 so still burrow way way behind those guys but still 83 sacks in his first 26 games is a lot of punishment and he's still playing As great as he is.
1: You know, imagine what it could be if you had a real line. Here's Mm -hmm. this. I'll just drop into some PFF uh, splits. This year he has been pressured on 33.3% of all dropbacks. (laughs) Um, A total of 395 clean dropbacks, 197 under pressure dropbacks his grade when kept clean is 95.9 his grade under pressure 63.4 i mean that's not you know a secret that quarterbacks play better when kept clean but 95.9 when kept clean it's not and, and he makes you know he has a ton of big time throws when he's under pressure and, and that's part of his magic mm-hmm. is his ability to keep you out of that. But flip that from 33% to 23%. Give him 10% more snaps over the course of a season. An extra hundred plays or not 100 plays. I guess it would be less when you think of throws. You know an extra 50, 30, whatever plays over the course of a season, that go from 68 grade to 95 grade, which is just from competent pass protection. And imagine how different things even look for his total numbers and how dynamic the offense can be. I mean, for every 10 to 15 clean dropbacks, that's how many times that Chase or T or Tyler Boyd are able to run those longer developing routes, are able to shake coverage, and we've seen what's happened there. You know. It's scary. That's why when people talk about the window opening and the sustainability, it is there. this team should be able to fix this offensive line this offseason. It's the last box remaining on the offense. There's no reason they shouldn't be able to do it. And if they can do that, um, you change those percentages, and boy, it's – it's really scary, and it looks a lot like what the Chiefs have been able to do, and that's the great thing, because what the Chiefs have been able to do is just go to Super Bowls, because their offense has just been that dynamic. That's how good Joe Burrow has been, despite all the pressure and sacks and everything else that's been going on. All right, let's just take a quick break.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1, I do. We do want to talk about the defense and Lou Enarumo, mm. who we talked to on Monday. Jay, we mentioned this the other day. I mean, three points allowed in the second half. Granted, only on a few possessions, um, thanks to the way that they handled uh, that last six minutes. But you know, three points allowed in the second half after giving up twenty-eight—an incredible turnaround. People scream about coordinators that don't make adjustments all the time. And the adjustments made a difference here, and you got to credit Lou Rumo in this defense for not just making adjustments in game plan, but really making some big plays and big calls in critical moments.
2: Yeah, and and the the play before halftime, I, I, we're going to focus right now on that second half, what they did, but that that play by Von Bell to punch the ball free of Tyreek Hill. You know, the underrated play of the game, that's that's a total game changer if, if they're down there at the 5 or wherever that was, the 10, and, and going down right before halftime. But what they did in the second half, I mean, it, it felt like they were going to get blown out early in that game. And then they come back and only give up three points in the second half. And I, I went and I looked to see where that Chiefs second half performance ranked for the year and there's there's four numbers that kind of stood out to me the number of plays they ran just 22 number of yards they had in the second half just 122 three points obviously and the first downs they had seven first downs in the second half the plays was are lowest of the year the yards second lowest points tied for second lowest first downs tied for third lowest. Now that's that's this year. You look at Patrick Mahomes' career, where those ranked. Points, tied for the third lowest. Plays, tied for the fourth lowest. First downs, tied for the eighth lowest. And yards gained, eighth lowest. That was a, for a defense that has been maligned, especially a pass defensive side of it, that was I mean, it was a division-clinching performance. As great as Burrow in the offense was, they don't get close to winning that game if the, the defense doesn't shut down the Chiefs the way they did in the second half. And, and I think Lou does deserve a lot of credit for that. And, and particularly, kind of, he, he talked about this, that zero blitz that they threw, the, the Chiefs' very last play of the game, third and five, they're, they're in the red zone, and he throws a zero blitz at them, And that's the last thing you want to do typically to Patrick Mahomes. And he said he was saving it all game for a big spot and there was no bigger spot there. They flushed Mahomes out. He threw it away. We tried to make, it was kind of a hope and a prayer type of throw trying to get the receiver along the sideline, but it ended up being an incompletion out of bounds. They have to kick a field goal to tie the game with six Oh one left. And then we know what happened after that, that the Bengals ran out the final six Oh one Mahomes never got another chance. And if they don't dial up that blitz right there, who knows? Maybe, maybe the Chiefs take the lead and, and the Bengals have to play out that whole final drive differently. I just, I, I thought it was a really big spot, and we we talk about Burrow's aggressiveness and Zach's aggressiveness. That that was Lou coming through with some aggression that paid off big time.
1: I mean, against the Chiefs, it feels like such an accomplishment to get to a third down. Like right. to even have one and it was like okay you end up with so many spots in this game especially in that first half where it's like okay you got them in third and six right and it's just inevitably a complete easy completion to mm-hmm. kelsey or hill or something like that and they just their drives just go down and and they eventually hit one on you. And in the second half, it was kind of the same way. It was like they converted some third downs and then they get to that one, you know, wow, massive play here. Third, and you got them to a third down in the red zone, like game defining play. And to have that, he said he, you know, he knew exactly on second down he was going to do that if he got to the third down here. And the fact that he did, I remember specifically watching because I, Called out before the play, like Kelsey here, because he ended up mm. sitting in a one on one. And it was a man, it is a perfect spot. You hadn't heard a lot of Kelsey. They love him in the red zone. They had him in an advantageous matchup. And I just watched Kelsey. I didn't even watch Mahomes. I remember thinking, what the hell happened? Kelsey ran open like you thought he would. Like it's, mm. it was exactly what you thought it would be. And went and looked up, watched the replay. Lou won that one you know and you need you need your coach to win you one you need your players to win you one you need your quarterback to win you a bunch that's how you got to find some way to, just that and special teams to win you sound to beat the chiefs and that's how they did it and it turned into a because of all that it turned into a special day and you know it, it's sort of like when we talked about what how are teams that win championships in this league recently constituted right it's it's elite offenses and points per drive top 8 in points per drive, elite offenses and defenses don't have to be great, but for the most part, they got to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you know they usually rank somewhere in the middle. If they're if they're really good, then that can be the difference between winning a Super Bowl and not. But to get to the Super Bowl, to be really make playoff runs, you just got to be okay. You got to be able to make a few plays, and that's kind of what the Bengals are right now. I mean, that's what Luena Room on this defense is: is they have their moments where they don't look great. They have their moments where they get thrown on. They have their moments where they make some some mistakes, but they are good enough to make enough plays to to allow the offense to to win you games when it plays like Burrow's playing right now. And I think that's the very that's the best thing you can think about when you think about where this team is at entering the postseason. And thinking about the postseason and how big that win was is a reason to think about. Hey, let's bring in Mo Egger. Let's see let's 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 see his thoughts on Sunday's massive win and more and maybe something that will change American culture forever. Mo, how's it going? I am
3: doing great, guys. How are you?
1: Great. Doing great. Jay, do you have some stats? Did did Mo rebound from a couple of down weeks over the holidays where he decided <laughs> to spend more time with his family than with his <laughs> Twitter family? Uh, no, he, he's still
2: down in that uh, bottom range. He had fifty five this week.
3: Oh, really? I thought I, I thought I. Wow, really?
1: Yeah, this is disappointing.
3: I, I thought I came up big because I, I felt like if you went to Dallas, you had to send tweets about being in Dallas. So I fulfilled that <laughs> obligation. I sent a couple during the Cotton Bowl. I sent a couple during the Bengals game. I sent a Happy New Year's tweet. I mean, r- really, I, I'm low. You're just, you're, you're just. You're really sluggish through the
1: holidays. That's all it is. You're like a lot of us. You know, you're just new year, new me,
3: (laughs) new Twitter feed.
1: Oh, here we go. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people make New Year's resolutions to spend less time on Twitter on social media. You're like, I need more. I gotta get my numbers up. (laughs) I'm looking forward to to the first and ten
2: mixing for two. Yeah, (laughs) just 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 play by play of the entire Bengals (laughs) game
1: in all caps. Of course. (laughs) Uh, All right. I've got a few good ones for you. One Bengals related. Another one that is amongst your Dallas tweets that I found very enjoyable. Uh, I'll start with one and I'm going to give you a chance. I'm just going to go ahead and give you a chance to pat yourself on the back. We don't always get we only get credit and called out by old takes exposed for our bad tweets. Where's good takes exposed? Like, that's what we need. Yes, it's not going to be good takes exposed for you. You said, patting your own self on the back at 4.15 p.m. on January 2nd, <laughs> just as someone said this morning on 102.7 WBN, 3431. Good guys. Won't say McPherson at the gun, but I want to. We'll try to process those last few minutes some other time for now i'm having fun still selling shirts mo i see you
3: still selling shirts absolutely you know i mean a lot of people got gift cards for christmas so go buy a shirt since he shirts.com
1: so but no doubt you were there was no reason not to have fun but good call good call on that one so
3: yeah so for we do a show uh, uh at tin roof uh down the street from pbs on um one oh two seven W E B N in the morning and i was with joe walter the former bangle and at the end of it we have to do the the obligatory make a prediction and i'll, I'll pull back the curtain just a little bit All right, so I, you know he makes his prediction i make my prediction and i joe hates it when i talk about kickers and so back go back to week one i said mcpherson at the gun which you know they won in overtime so you know they they beat they beat the vikings mcpherson at the gun i guess wasn't overtime. I don't know. It's so long ago. But anyway, McPherson at the gun. Yeah. So uh, I said 34-31. Good guys. I'm not going to say McPherson at the gun because you'll get mad at me, but that's what I think is going to happen. Now, here's the thing about events like that. It's uh, about 1120 in the morning. People have been drinking for a couple of hours. It is a festive bar filled with Bengals fans. Even if you don't think the home team is going to win, your prediction in that moment is going to be that the home team is going to win. (laughs) So, (laughs) So I would love to tell you that I believed it with every fiber of my being. That's not entirely true, but I certainly thought that they could win the game. But if they did, it just felt like it's going to be close. And if it's close, it can come down to a field goal. And nobody likes to say, yeah, McPherson's going to connect with 325 to go, and then they're going to get a stop in the final you know, couple minutes of the game. <laughs> it's more fun to say McPherson at the gun. So I did say 34-31, and I did sort of intimate that it would be McPherson at the gun. Um, unfortunately, there is no audio record of this for reasons that uh, they'll get mad at me if I go into. But uh, for those who were there, I did say it, and I got a rousing ovation when I did. I'm sure
1: you did. I'm sure you did. What? Um, but though, to, to I mean, to pile onto this, how? What? How would you rank? Would you rank this as? Where does this rank for you as greatest Bengals moments? I mean, as far as you know, the the atmosphere, the impact, the what it what it kind of means in the big picture from having kind of experienced it out there.
3: I think it might be my favorite Bengals win of all time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, for a lot of different reasons, I think Jamar Chase played the best game I've ever seen a wide receiver play. And I've seen receivers have more receiving yards and I've seen, I've seen receivers have more catches and score more touchdowns, but the degree of difficulty and the times in the game in which he made his catches, that is the best game I've ever seen a wide receiver play. Um, What it did to sort of catapult Joe Burrow into at least the fringes of the MVP discussion, um, what it meant. Um, the, the, and then just the weirdness of those last couple of minutes. And it's funny, Tony Pike and I were talking about this on our show on, on Monday that like all the crazy stuff that happened at the end of the game. Oh, and by the way, Joe Burrow for a second, I'm like, oh, so this would be the most Bengal thing ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, they somehow blow this burrow gets hurt. They lose the game and it's going to be purely misery here for God knows how long, um, The just sort of coaching along with Zach as they're trying to score, but not trying to score. And then yelling as I think Brandon Allen is going to like take a knee instead of spiking the ball, Um, trying to sort of compute the odds of, well, if they go for it and they score, is that better than kicking the field goal and giving the ball back to all that stuff. And then the clock hits zero, the kick goes through and this release of emotion and excitement And the fact that they did it, that would have been an incredible game in late September. And those would have been remarkable individual performances in any game. But the fact that the game unfolded the way it did against the opponent that the Bengals played with what was on the line and all the stuff that went into it. That's one of the craziest and most interesting and best sporting events I've ever watched. Uh, and to wrap your brain around everything took some time. I mean, I sat down, um, Sunday night after the game, just to sort of kind of plot out the radio show going, okay, well, here's all the different things we have to talk about. Here's all the different things we have to, all the angles we have to explore. And there were so many of them, but it, it just, it was as cokey as the sounds, it was like the most innocent Bengals moment in six years. There there really does just seem to be this um, cynici- cynicism-free uh, love of this team. And I know there's a lot of people who are still hesitant to sort of wrap their, their arms emotionally around this franchise. But I don't think any of those, <coughs> excuse me, Andy Dalton, AJ Green teams had this just warm embrace from the entire fan base in city the way this team does, the way people have gravitated toward it. And take that from where we were two years ago, it's awesome. And to watch it unfold the way it did on Sunday was incredible. I mean, it really is as sort of, again, corny as it sounds, it was awesome. That's, that might be, it's funny because I, I said on Twitter last week in the aftermath of John Madden's passing, and I've spent like the last six days going down John Madden wormholes on TV because he was a voice of my youth. He called my favorite Bengals game ever. Him and Pat Summer on 1988, they beat the Redskins uh, week 16, clinch uh, home field advantage in the AFC. It was my favorite Bengals victory of all time. I think it's been replaced by what happened on Sunday.
2: Yeah, everybody focuses on that celebration at, you know, when he, when McPherson hit the field goal and Paul's got the great story up right now on, on how the Bengals celebrated the win. But I'm curious, Jesse Bates said something yesterday that I found funny and kind of telling that. He basically thanked the fans for not booing when it was 14, <laughs> when it was fourteen yeah. nothing. I mean, what was the mood in the stadium at that time was Was it kind of a resignation that, yep, this is what we thought was going to happen, or what, did it feel like there was still belief?
3: So, full disclosure, I was not at the game. Uh, okay. So, and for me, it was I had gone to Dallas. We got in Saturday night. Had to work Saturday night because of basketball. Uh, the the guy that I go to games with was not going to be able to go. And so we gave our tickets away. And um, there's a part of me that really regrets that um, there's a part of me that uh, re- doesn't regret not having to thaw out, but I, I watching it on TV at home, I, I badly wanted to be there. But what I can tell you is this among my circle of friends, when it was 14 to nothing, the texts were not fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, I mean, g- go back early in the game. And in fact, Leading up to the Cotton Bowl, I think I told people what I'm really worried about is Alabama's up 14 nothing. The Bearcats have had the ball twice. They haven't done anything with it, and this gets out of control early. That game on Sunday felt like it was on the verge of that happening, and so mm-hmm. then Jamar Chase makes a play. Um, so I, I can't speak to really what the mood was like in the stadium, but just f- for me watching at home and talking with the people that I usually talk about the Bengals with and, and go to games with and watch games with um, – there was a sense of, yep, this in, early in the game, yep, this is what happens. yep, This is what happens with the bengals and and sort of a lifetime of build up, and then the the rug being pulled out from underneath is sort of leads you, I guess, to to feeling that way. but um it, when when the game ended the way it did, i I badly wish I had 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 been there. But watching it all unfold the way it did was really cool.
1: well, the one and you know, the thing that I discussed a little bit yesterday on the live room QA and I just think is really important for the state of this franchise beyond just playing football on the field was really, you know, they could only as an organization, as a front office, as Elizabeth Blackburn, go so far. That you know, you could only do so much. You ring of honor, new uniforms, uh Ruler of the jungle, game day, social media, Mm -hmm. that could only go so far. They knew that they could just try to get it to the point where if the team was good, it would all come together as a full product. But they would always be a joke. They would always be disconnected from the city. They would never truly get everybody back. It would never really feel like the mid-2000s here unless the team had a game like this that made it feel like the mid 2000s and, and 03 Kansas City that people still talk about, mm-hmm. the 05 team that people still talk about. Those things had to happen to make what they did before matter. Yeah. And Sunday, they had done it a little bit and they had made this team you mentioned likable, a team that the city really embraces and puts their arms around. They had done that in spurts, but Sunday. Completed the circle, so, yep. I, and and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, judging by what you've you know heard as people have called in and you've done shows since then. But like, it feels like that, regardless of what happens in the playoffs. And I hate to even say that, considering the drought. But like, I feel like completed the circle of connecting team back to city again.
3: Yeah, I I, I think. I think they've won over a lot of holdovers. Um, And I've just I've sensed that in the last month and a half that they've won over some people who just weren't buying in or who, frankly, didn't care about uniforms and rings of honor and, okay, go win football games. Um, You know, (laughs) the the thing about this that I I keep coming back to is and I, I know I said this about UC football this year is. Joe Burrow and by extension, this team have done something that just doesn't happen all that often. He's lived up to the hype, man. He's, he's, he's lived up to everything we thought he could be in the months leading up to the draft. When we were watching him play at LSU, those last two games in the college football playoffs, um, when we knew the Bengals were going to have the number one pick and we were drawn to obviously the way he was playing but i think just equally as much his attitude his confidence it's an overused word but his swagger just how this guy just appeared to be the, the sort of dude who could just change a franchise almost overnight and he has he he's he's done that and and by the way he's done that despite suffering a debilitating injury um that that to me has been the best part that that to me has been You know, I think we all thought when they drafted Joe, well, okay, they're going to be better and they'll probably have years in which they matter, but this has happened so quickly and it's happened with um, just such a, a turnaround in terms of, of the attitude of the team and the attitude that people have towards it. And. I think that's been a big part of it, right? Because when they drafted him, I mean, I would still talk to people who are like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. Okay. They'll, they'll screw him up. Well, they haven't, or he'll come here. And he's not going to be as good as advertised. I mean, you know, you got that a few weeks ago when Justin Herbert played well here. I'll see. They, oh boy, I bet you wish they had Herbert. I'm like, well, Not really. Um, that to me has been, that to me has been the best part. Um, and there've been a lot of best parts, I guess, but that to me has been something. Th- things don't live up to the hype the way this guy has things don't exceed expectations to the degree that this guy has. Um, and the fun part is it's just beginning. It's just starting. Like th- th- we're not talking about, you know, their chances in the playoffs and oh my God, the window's going to close like this. It feels like this is, this is our reality now moving forward. Games like that, moments like that. Um, that is, I, 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 I feel even an 05 you know there and i think we talked about this on a podcast a, a while ago even in 05 as, as much as i love that team and as much as the city loved that team i think there was sort of a sense even at the end of the year that this was sort of starting to unravel just a little bit like did this team from a maturity standpoint really have what it takes is this is this is this really sustainable can this really work i don't think anybody has a question about that right now they're they're going to you know encounter obstacles and it's you know at some point they're going to have to pay a bunch of these dudes and have to make some tough roster decisions and they've been lucky because of health and uh you know money always changes the relationship that fans have with athletes and at some point joe burrow's probably going to make a half million bucks and that dynamics going to be interesting but like for now this this feels like it could last for a while and oh my god does has this city needed that and has this fan base needed it and so that's it's a long-winded answer to your question but uh, it's 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 really really cool
2: all I take away from all of this is the greatest, most impactful win in Paul Brown stadium history, and Mo wasn't there. If they lose yeah. in the playoffs <laughs> and Mo's there, it's Mo's fault.
3: So <laughs>
1: for all the ones you've been there for, for you were you were the king of the litmus test of true mm-hmm. Bengal fandom, but you weren't you so, weren't there for that. So, I do have one more for you that I do it, want to pull was out that, before. It,
3: it was that or maybe a divorce. And having yeah. gone through that once. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Uh I'll say this. Um I got one more for you and I want to get you mm-hmm. just because I th- I think you I think you might have started something that needs to become um a part of American culture. And that is okay. this tweet. The hotel we are staying at in Dallas still has a Santa who's accepting <laughs> visits from kids. I appreciate the accountability. If you had a crummy Christmas, Santa's giving you a chance to confront him. I love this idea. I think this needs to be absolutely a thing where it's just called confronting Santa or whatever. I don't know if to come with a catchy name for it, you know, but it's just he sits in the mall and it's just it's like an airing of the grievances. It's sort of like a festivist. You show up, you yell at Santa a little bit. Is anything more American today? Than today's America, than than yelling at Santa for things not going the way you wanted them to.
3: <laughs> well, you know we're all we all love accountability, right? Like, and and that's that's sort of a part of like what I do. Like, uh, you do something, and then you know your audience is going to call you out for it. You guys like accountable athletes, right? If a guy has a big game, he's going to talk. Well, if a guy has a, a crappy game, you want him to make himself available, right? So accountability is big. So I'm, I'm at this hotel, this ginormous hotel, where they have this huge Christmas village a couple of days after Christmas, and I'm. I'm walking through it just sort of getting the lay of the land and I see a sign for Santa visits and it's like Santa visits from like nine to six or something and I'm like well, <laughs> well what do you what do you say to him right like and so then'm I'm, I'm thinking, well this is a great opportunity if you didn't get what you were looking for now you can sit on Santa's lap and call him out. Right. Yeah. And, and so, like, you know, just, hey, and if you're a parent, you can just him them off on sand and go, oh, ask him, see what happened. Maybe we weren't so good this year. <laughs> Who knows? You know, the supply chain maybe the Santa can explain how that's working right now. I love the accountability and I want this to be a thing moving forward where if you had a crummy Christmas, Santa's now got to sit there and answer some tough questions. And look, as a kid, you might get some tough answers. Look, the reality is this kid. OK, in June, you were awful. And I didn't forget. You might have been really good in, <laughs> in December, but you had a crappy summer. You're very good to listen here, parents, or hey, remember Mark very when you got a couple of C's. Yeah, that's not gonna cut it. We need to do better. Like this is a great opportunity for the kid. It's a great opportunity for the parents. And ultimately, it shows a degree of accountability from Santa that I think is is long overdue.
1: I really like the idea of Santa with like a series of graphs s- s- highlighting supply, the, like where the supply chain is having issues between yeah. the North pole and like how his Christmas magic is sort of kind of rendered useless against this particular issue here in like, you know, the, the this region of Iceland or something like that. Like, right. I really like the idea of there being many graphs I, involved. I every kid shows up.
3: I envision like a Gary Barta because I would watch the college yeah. football playoff <laughs> rankings every two, and then the panelists would always have issues with it. And then this dude would have to come out and they would just like lob insults at him and throw questions at him. I kind of like that idea of, all right, here's Santa. Here's a bunch of kids who didn't get what they want. And now they're just like firing away at Santa and he's got to an answer for it. And you might not like the answers you're going to get but at least he's got to provide some answers. I am 100% here for this. This needs to be a new Christmas tradition. A couple of days yeah. after Christmas, Santa makes himself available, right? If Zach Taylor, himself available. If, if it didn't work out late in the game on Sunday, where now they screw it up and the Chiefs win the game, Zach Taylor's got to answer questions from you guys, right? Well, here's what I was. thinking. Yeah, I mean, thinking. look, here's why it went Santa, wrong. You, you made an audible over Europe, and uh, right. and, and all. <laughs> next thing you know, all of
1: Russia goes without gifts. Or sure. yeah, kids hey. are waking up without gifts because you decided that there was too
3: much cloud cover, and you didn't think you could get through it. Or, I mean, well, what what went into that decision? You sit there, hey, Santa, three weeks ago. I showed up at Bass Pro Shop or the the mall or whatever, <laughs> and I sat on your lap, and I said, "I want this and this," and I got neither. What gives? And now Santa's got to tell you. <laughs> I, I think this is, I appreciate I Santa it doing that this year.
1: I love it. Santa accountability holiday. That's what, that's what we all need. If you, if you're listening to this and you could think of a good name, a nice catchy name for this holiday, send it to us and we'll ruminate over it. And maybe we'll have the, uh, the name for it. Cause if I think we get a good name, this could really catch just, on you know, Nothing just feels more at the core of American culture than that right now, than what that would be. And I think we might, I think you might have stumbled into something. I think, think
3: it's just a so post holiday availability. I mean, that's, that's what it is. All- right?
1: <laughs> 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 Love it. All right, Mo, uh,
3: we will, uh, we will have you back uh next week and we'll be talking about the playoffs The playoffs it's yes exciting. i can't wait and 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 my 400 tweets i'm going to send this week it's going to be awesome <laughs> get back
2: <laughs> get back in business don't thanks, go mo. i gotta count these i i
3: i yeah i'll i will i will load up it'll be great it'll be just i'm, just, I'm gonna i'm gonna like live tweet my day just for you guys um, <laughs> i love it i love it I see you later. Right, see thanks, guys mo. thanks
1: all right always great to catch up with mo and look I'm, I'm not going to say it anymore. I think, I think we fixed, we, we have really tied the true bow on, on American Christmas.
2: You know, I- until that catches on, I- I've got a tip for you and Mo as, as and anybody listening, that's a, a father or a parent of young children. I did this all the time when my kids were growing up. Cause what's the whole thing? You know, he sees you when he, when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, all that Santa's always watching, right? If, it was December, and my kids acted up. I would look to the ceiling, and I'd be like, "Santa, you seeing this? Cross another toy off the list." <laughs> it works. They they snap right into gear. They believe that there's getting they're going to lose a toy every time they act up. So, just a little tip for you guys out there with kids.
1: <laughs> oh, just the constant judgment from above. I like it. Uh, all right. Speaking of judging, it's time to judge the Growler bets. And uh, what broke down from this past weekend? We only went two prongs against the Chiefs. You had to hit the number of Bengals turnovers in the game and then guess the difference in yards per attempt between Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. Many of you guessed, and it was zero turnovers, which only a few of you optimists are out there. We're going to highlight the most optimistic of the group here. And I got to say, Jay, there was there were some very interesting guesses. Our guy Tony on Twitter said no turnovers. The difference between Joe Burrow and, and Patrick Mahomes ended up being exactly 4.0 yards per attempt at 11.4 to 7.4. 11.4, good God. <laughs> and the difference was four. So Tony said no turnovers. It got him in the game. It got him in the building. Four point two. So close. So close. It's
2: still yeah. it's a remarkable guess. An incredible I mean, guess.
1: To, to have not to be
2: just being close is one thing, but to say Joe Burrow is gonna throw for 4.2 more than Patrick Mahomes was a really a ballsy guess. And that I saw that one and I was like, oh. He 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 put this in on Monday. He 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 put his guess in after the game. There's no way anybody would have come that close on the, both of those were kind of long shot numbers. And I went and I looked and he his guess came at one o'clock Sunday, right at kickoff. <laughs> I mean, he was the last one to get a guess in, and he was the closest one to to getting it right. It was I I I'm almost tempted to i'll go out of no. pocket. <laughs> no no you want to set the precedent no uh, the shout out's good enough i guess but shout it was... out
1: no we're not giving away beer for so close jay <laughs> right i have another i have another one though ryan to yep misplaced decimal Misplaced decimal <laughs> zero turnovers and burrow at point four instead of four point All you had to do was get one typo, (laughs) one little tiny decimal point in the wrong spot, and it could have been yours instead. So close, which we are not setting any kind of ridiculous, what a terrible way to start the new year, the idea we're just going to give away beer, it's so close. (laughs) Having a thought like that.
2: Not just any so close, but that one was particularly impressive, but- the, the the more important thing here is I could have clinched the growler bet title. Well, I don't know if we're going to, if we're going to roll into the playoffs, I guess I could have clinched the regular season title. Um, however, you got it. We both said two turnovers. So that one was kind of a wash, but you had Burrow outperforming Mahomes by 1.3. I had Mahomes by 2.2. So you narrowed the gap. I was leading seven to five. It is now seven to six with a few ties in there. So one game left, you have a chance to draw even,
1: or I can clinch it in Cleveland. Send it into the playoffs though. So we'll, we'll yes. see. Um, run past your boot. What's our run past boot like from last week?
2: So it was, this was your idea. And it was, what will the game result be? Will it be Bengals win? Bengals cover? or Bengals lose by nine or more. Um, we both booted win. So we, we, we both lost that one. I guess technically you get the win there because you, you ran with cover. I ran with a nine plus loss. So you were, you were more on track as far as that goes, but it was only the second time this year that we both booted the actual winning answer.
1: How about that? That's, that's how surprising it was. Um, so we're, we're we're moving forward that. I'm looking forward to potentially taking the Growler Bet championship here. And I think um, we'll see. We're, we'll also have some fun stuff, I think, planned as we head into the playoffs to uh, potentially spice up uh, some of our action as we go forward. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, all right. Is that That's about wrapped us up. Unless I'm leaving something off the list here, Jay. I don't think you are. All right. We checked we every come. box. Uh, much like the Bengals thus far in the regular season have checked off about every box that, that you could want. So we will wrap it up. We'll be back on Thursday with more of a preview of Sunday's game against the Browns and uh, more of, of where this team is going as we get more of a focus on the playoffs. So many more things coming your way. Looking forward to doing all of them. Thanks everyone, for listening. We will talk to you next time on the Podcast. podcast.